This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the co-host of TOJ Film Room. He is a man who works with Marcus Coleman, the former 11-year NFL veteran and, of course, the hero of the Monday Night Miracle. Unfortunately, he doesn't have anything quite as impressive in his repertoire, but his film breakdowns are very impressive, as Marcus himself would agree. He is, of course, Joe Blewett. Joe, what's going on, man? Nothing. Well, you know what's going on uh, with all the film that's going on now with uh, C.J. Mosley and Bell and Crowder and all the draft prospects. Like I said, the next month, they'll actually, well, the last month, Nick, and, and the uh, month of April are just going to be absolutely crazy in terms of content and trying to pump out film reviews. Um, I know that you don't sleep a lot, but I've been on par with you um, this last couple of months of not sleeping at like four or five, six hours a night, just trying to pump all this stuff out. So um, in the nitty gritty, but I, but I love it and I wouldn't do anything else. And today we are going to jump right on that because it is CJ Mosley Day here on XNO Quick Hits. We'll do Jamison Crowder next week, but for this week we are going to take a look at the four-time Pro Bowl linebacker from the Baltimore Ravens. Four out of his first five seasons in the league, he made the Pro Bowl, and there's a reason for that. Joe, a lot of people think that he's just a guy who tackles, that he's basically a slightly faster David Harris 2.0, but your film review reveals that that is not true at all, and let's start with the area that there is the biggest misconception, and that is in coverage. Talk to me a little bit about C.J. Mosley, the coverage linebacker. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous, and I, I heard that narrative, and you know what happens. People type in pro football focus seats, struggled in coverage by their rankings or however they look at their stats, which sometimes I don't really think they even do, um, and they see he's bad in coverage, and everybody's, oh, he's terrible in coverage, and everybody just re- keeps re- re- just repeating that just false narrative because one person looked at pro football focus or multiple people look at pro football focus without actually watching the film. Um, but it, it, if you really look at the film and you watch it, you know what you're watching. You see the fluidity. You see the balance in, in his shuffle, in his backpedal, uh, the ability to, to quickly cover ground, the ability uh, from sideline to sideline. Uh, and he's smart as hell. I mean, he's a smart player um, in coverage. And there's been times where I'll show it. And I'm showing it on the show that I'm recording you know, in a little bit on C.J. Mosley. He's a smart player in coverage. Where Let's say you have – let's just use a really easy example, a drive concept. We're going to have basically two players working over the middle. You're going to have one drag. You're going to have one dig. One, The dig is anywhere from 10 to – 12 yards typically, and then the short drag is obviously, you know, basically right on the line of scrimmage, two, three yards, wherever it may be. Um, CJ Mosley will carry that that uh, that dig all the way to the second level. If he knows that a safety is not going to be there, a secondary player is not going to be there, he'll carry that dig the entire route with keeping his eyes on that drag. Um, once the quarterback goes to, to the, uh, goes to start his throwing motion, that's when CJ Mosley comes up and jumps on that drag. And instead of letting a dig behind him for 15 yard completion, he'll let a drag in front of him um, for three, four yards. But does pro football focus look at that? Oh, well, he gave up a completion. He's supposed to jump down on that. Or do they realize that he was playing deeper in his zone to not allow the drag, I mean, or, or the dig to, to, to come open. And instead he's jumping down on that drag. I don't think they look at things. And they understand concepts like that, where Mosley understands concepts when there's, when there's guys working um, underneath a defense over the middle, there's typically guys in a levels type 
um, concepts who are working intermediate, and they're, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to pull that linebacker up because a, linebacker, a lot of linebackers who are bad in coverage, whether it be you know Lee or even David Harris when he was here, whoever it may be, um, they're going to jump on that shorter route because they see what's, what's in front of them and they're just going to take that without realizing what's behind them and working behind them or Mosley realizes what's behind him. Uh, like I said, I'll cover that and then jump down. So I don't, I don't think they realize things like that. And then you get the narrative that he's a bad in coverage. He's just not. Uh, he has the ability to match tight ends. He can cover uh, running backs one on one. Like I said, he has the hips. He has the top end speed. Is he, you know, is he Telvin Smith in terms of his speed? No, but he has solid speed. So he has the the, the ability and the agility to do that. He's a smart player. Um, so I, I think I think he's above average. Too. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's a solid coverage linebacker. He's not Keekly in that area. Um, where there are some times where you see him looking back to the quarterback a little bit too much. Um, but that's a problem that almost every single linebacker in the NFL has. But overall, um, and I'm will, very willing to show it. I have shown it throughout the review that I've been putting on Twitter um, that he is a good coverage linebacker. So I do not understand that narrative literally at all. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. From what I've watched, it seems to me that while Mosley, as you said, isn't Luke Keekley or somebody like that, he keeps guys in front of him, makes sure that there aren't any major gains. And for me, when you have an inside linebacker, if he can do that, then he is a very good coverage linebacker, even if he's not quite elite like a Luke Keekley. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, just with that, with the, with the simple drive concept. If if you if you look if you're watching on TV and you're a casual fan who's going to say, "Oh, well, it was right in front of him. I didn't jump down. I'm like, what the hell, man?" And it's a three or four yard completion. At what you're, which I'm looking at, like, okay, that's good. Now, now it's third and six instead of it being, you know, a first down because he's laying a 15 yard dig behind him. And and, and it's another good thing that he's a really good tackler too. So he's he's so quick to come up on those shorter routes um, while working to reroute. Um, and help the secondary out that it's it's not a worry um, for me at all like I said he's definitely going to help the middle of that defense um, in coverage so uh, like you said and I agree with he's not Luke Keekley, um, but he's an upper echelon cover uh, coverage linebacker there's very very few reps that I saw where I was like oh he really needed to do this or to do that um, in his coverage and in that snap or where I really like uh kind of put a negative down for him. I don't think there's many negatives from uh, coverage minus what I saw said where he's staring back at the quarterback a little bit too much at times. Um, but overall, yeah, he's definitely good. And, and people who are just re, uh, just kept saying that same old narrative, he's bad in coverage, those are the people who 
you know, I don't, I'm not, I unfollow or, you know, mute or whatever, um, because I know that they're just getting their, their stats and their opinions from pro football folks. And it's, it, and honestly, it's a, it's a damn shame to me. You can take 99% of, of Twitter's opinions, go to pro football focus and it'll be the same opinion. Like that's, that's all, that's all that people look at because it's easy. It doesn't take any work to watch the film or try to understand the film or to look up defenses or look up how defenses work, how technique work, how, how concepts work. That's hard. That, that takes work. I've been doing it for three years and I still know nothing. But when you can go to Pro Football uh, Focus, oh, good, good in run defender, good, good, uh, or bad coverage. And now everybody says bad coverage. Like it's just, I know I'll be fighting that, that narrative until September. So it is what it is. I'm, I'm willing to, uh, to take on Jets Twitter with that. We don't do that here. We provide specific examples to show why our conclusions are what they are. And so to that end, Joe, do you have any specific examples of plays or any guys that Mosley in particular was able to clamp down on that illustrate your point? Oh, there's some, there, it's, and, and this kind of same thing with Bell. And I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question before, before he came on. It's not like, it's, a, it's not a specific play where he does it. It's the consistency that you see him um, you see, or the consistency you see in coverage with him rerouting guys. Um, let's say whatever it may be, if you have a, a, a guy who's closer to the line of scrimmage and he's trying to run an over route, but CJ Mosley opens his hips and he's peeling off the line of scrimmage and he, and he's not letting that receiver um, make that cut as shallow as he wanted to get in front of that safety. You're going to see CJ Mosley uh, carry that route and widen out that route. Um, which is going to put him right into the hands of the safety instead of C.J. Mosley not working to that spot drop and let him cut right behind him and get right in front of the safety. And it's so consistent with him that you see, the, see those things. Or like I said before, with a drive concept or a cab concept or a spin concept, whatever concept you want, like levels type concept over the middle, you consistently see him play that intermediate route, jump down on the shorter route um, where, he's, where he's almost at that running back you know, tight end, um, slot receiver, um, before they even catch the ball to really limit that game. So it's, it's something that's just so, con- uh, you know, consistent with him. It's not any overall play where, okay, you know, he matched up against, uh, Gronkowski and got a really nice pass reflection because as you know, um, I'm cramming 16 games into about three days. So there's not, <laughs> it's just like an overload. But there's been many times where you see him play the upfield shoulder as the ball is thrown. He plays, the, he, he wraps his upfield arm around the, the weights, which you're supposed to do because a lot of people will play that, um, will play the ball with their upfield shoulder or upfield arm. They, they miss the ball. And then that's when, that's when a play that should have been five to 10 yards leads to being a 40 yard completion because your hand's not wrapped where you see Mosley play that upfield shoulder. So then he can undercut the ball when it's thrown instead of playing, um, the, the, uh, the, uh, the weak, not the weak hip, but the closer to the, to, to the quarterback hip, quarterbacks are going to over, are going to throw over his head and, um, it makes a completion there because you, you're allowing him to throw him open where if you're, if you're playing that upfield shoulder, um, you can still play over top and you can undercut underneath. Uh, so we, you see him do that. You see him with his hands on it, on the hip. You see him punch through the ball instead of swipe at the ball. Um, when you punch through, that leads to a tackle if you miss, where if you swipe at the ball, you're off balance and you can't wrap that arm around, um, you know, that, that receiver, that tight end. I mean, we saw him that multiple times. There's a couple plays that I, that I have of him uh, playing that upfield shoulder really well and doing exactly what I just said. Um, so nothing really specific. It's just 16 games or whatever he was. I, I think he might have actually missed a game this year. I could be wrong on that. Um, so maybe 15 games of him just playing very consistent in coverage. There's not really a lot of blunders. You're like, oh, man, what, what the hell was that? So it's, it's more of just a consistency thing. 
Um, and I do have a show coming out with 52 plays, and I'll show plenty of that consistency. Uh, but there's no really plays that I can remember that specifically stand out, like him covering, you know, Tyree Kill or something like that. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Joe, one of the trademarks of the best players in the league, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is instinct. Knowing where to be when, knowing exactly what the play calls for you to do. It's a football awareness, football intelligence, and this is something that C.J. Mosley is known for. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's just that, that that's more that's obviously in the past game we just talked about a little bit with the instincts and, and knowing concepts and knowing how how offenses are trying to attack defense, but um but it goes with, with the run game as well, where as soon as he reads a, a blocking scheme, whether it be, you know, pin and pull, power, man, inside zone, you see him running to the to the um you know, running back before the ball, it almost looks like he's running there before the ball is snapped, how quick his recognition is and how quickly he'll, he'll follow a pulling linebacker or how quickly he reads that front seven. So um, he for sure has great instincts. He knows how to, he knows how to beat blocks. Um, he knows how to get to, to uh, running backs. And I know a lot of people are talking about him um, in a way where he didn't get a lot, a lot of tackles for loss. He's not really that player who's going to blow up. And, and this is probably the primary reason. He's not one of those players like Avery Williamson who's going to blow up a um you know an offensive guard or whoever it may be um to, to get a tackle on the backfield he's more of a of a finesse player with getting around blocks um so it, you're not gonna see as many tackles for loss and, and tackles for no gain but you're gonna see a lot of tackles where he's gonna consistently get a guy you know a yard or two beyond the line of scrimmage because of that athleticism because of his ability to to read runs to, to read blocking schemes to read um to read running backs and and their track uh, to see counters, to see play action. Um, he's definitely a very, very instinctive guy. He, he was the leader of that Ravens defense, um, at least mentally, maybe, you know, Suggs in terms of the locker room and things like that. He's been there for, for 30 years, um, who's now with Arizona. Um, but in terms of his smarts, you saw it consistently of him, of him picking up running teams, knowing play action, seeing screens, sniffing them out, uh, beating blocks. He's, he's, a, he's a really, really smart player. Um, where he's kind of the same, the only comparison I could see or the only like realistic comparison with David Harris is, are those instincts, but you're talking about athleticism. Uh, it's, it's not even comparable where I've heard people say David Harris 2.0. I've heard people say bad coverage linebacker. I've heard people call him slow. Um, which means to me, you, you either never have watched the film in your entire life or you don't know what you're watching. Um, but you combine those that that athleticism, the sideline to sideline, the ability with good hand placement, dropping his hips that he, that he does in the run game to beat blocks from those uh, offensive linemen, plus those instincts. Um, that's why he's probably, in my opinion, the third best inside linebacker in the entire entire league behind Luke Keekley and behind uh, Bobby Wagner. Um, so you're going to see it consistently of him just sniffing out plays that you didn't even know are possible. Uh, like I said, with that athleticism and with those uh, instincts. Yeah, I have no idea why anybody would call him slow. Don't get me wrong. He's not beating Robbie Anderson in the 40-yard dash. But if you watch his film, it stands out just how quickly he gets to the ball on a regular basis. 
Oh, it's yeah, it's ridiculous, and, and it's 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 not only sideline to sideline speed where he's like a linebacker who needs um some room to get going. Where like Avery Williamson, the guy who's like you can maybe consider slow. I think his top end speed is is pretty solid, but he's not a guy who's just going to burst um and have that acceleration. Those multiples I showed where where he's a good two three yards away from guys and it looks like he's shot out of a gun. How quickly you know he he accelerates and like you said, he's not Robbie Anderson or Tyree Kill or you know even guys who are faster like him, than him like a Quan Alexander or Kelvin Smith, but it's definitely a very solid speed and, and, and burst. And you're going to see him chase guys down um, who are running backs or even wide receivers. Uh, you're going to see him quickly burst in into holes and through holes um, or even in the second level to get to, to uh, running backs who thought they had a clear track to get a big gain. But he has that speed um, to, to, to get to, like I said, holes or, or uh, that sideline to sideline. So uh, that whole slow narrative to, like thing is, is crazy too. And, I, and I'm not... Uh, I'm not one of the guys, I'm not just coming on here. Oh, I watched the film and this is what it says. I I'm going to show you specific examples of all this stuff. I'm not just lying to people. So the slow plotting David Harris 2.0 thing um, is, is just beyond uh, dumb in my opinion. Joe, you touched on how effective he is in the run game. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what I was saying with the instincts, reading blocking schemes and the ability to get off blocks. You're going to see him, I, I can guarantee you're going to see at least multiple times on Sundays where there's going to be a linebacker who's working up to the second level. Uh, CJ Mosley is not a guy who's a passive. Now he's not, like I said, he's not a guy who's going to just truck through an offensive lineman like an Avery Williamson will do. But what he does is he kind of surprises them with his burst. Well, he'll actually burst towards offensive linemen. What he does is he gets really tight elbows and really good hand placements in, into the chest. So the offensive linemen aren't able to get into his chest as he's doing that and shooting into their chest before they can get their hands on him. He removes his feet from the ground to absorb that blow from, from their body because even if an offensive lineman who's 300 pounds is running at you, they don't get their hands on you. They're still creating um, you know, momentum and, and, and push forward even if they're not using their hands. So what he does, like I said, tight elbows, good hand placement to the chest. He hits them to keep them off of him while he's in, in, in uh, connection with his feet. He's taking his feet off the ground and moving laterally um, to, to shock them, get away from them uh, cleanly, then make the tackle. It happens like I said, multiple times a game where he does that same exact thing, but offensive linemen are never ready for it. So you see, you see the, the good hand placement with the lateral movement, um, with the aggressiveness, plus with the hip drop that he has and the extension. He gets off blocks like that all the time, um, and that's why he's so good um, in, in the run game and getting off of those blocks. And like I said, he's not getting many tackles for loss because he's not a guy who's going to blow up runs through gaps and stuff like that because he's not – He's not a big linebacker where he could um, take hip contact or contact from the side from offensive linemen and work through it. He can get moved a little bit, but he's so good at using his his technique um, and his smarts and his lateral agility to get away from blocks where, um, like I said, you're not going to see many tackles for loss, but you're gonna, if it's in Mosley's zone, you're rarely going to see plays get past him because he's just so smart and, uh, with both those blocking schemes and uh, with his technique. So. Um, it's a it's very 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 consistent player. You don't see a lot of plays where you're going to get you know pissed at Mosley. I don't I don't think so. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint, unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week. With Major League Baseball, we're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
On last week's Chronicles of Narnia, Michael went through the entire history of C.J. Mosley and his ability to force turnovers. Now, he's not known for flashy plays like that. He's not going to be getting you five interceptions a year or anything like that, but he does force more turnovers than people realize and more than your garden variety inside linebackers. Can you talk to me a little bit about his ability to force fumbles, his ability to get interceptions, and also about his ability to blitz because that's something we know that Greg Williams likes to do and it's another thing that he's yeah. not necessarily known for but i think he's better at it than most people realize okay so working on working from first with the turnovers i i think a good amount of i don't know how many fumbles he caused but i can see him causing a lot of fumbles just because of that sideline and sideline speed where running backs don't expect him to get where he where he's able to get to as fastly as he does so maybe they're carrying the ball a little bit looser you don't expect him to um you know to force that fumble and he's also a guy who if, if he's, he's a smart player so if he um, is running toward the running back and they're getting wrapped up already. He's going to try to punch that ball out. So I, I could see it with the smarts. I could see it with the kind of the shock of how fast he can move um, with running backs, with turnovers uh, in terms of fumbles. And with, with interceptions, you can just look right at the one. I talked about the, the awareness in coverage where he's going to carry um, deeper routes. He, you know, he can bait uh, quarterbacks into not thinking he can get to somewhere that he can get to to intercept the ball. You can look at just the, the last game uh, of the regular season against the Browns where he sent on a blitz. And it's kind of hard to tell if he's, if he's actually on a blitz or if, or if it's a green dog, which is it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, I'm, I'm, I won't get into that, but the blitz is ineffective. He drops out into coverage because he knows he won't get there. He's dropping out into coverage in uh, Baker Mayfield's throwing lane because he sees where he's looking. So he's dropping back. Um, with that, you know, those fast, those fast hips and fast feet and the, and the, uh, the, the quickness that he has that people don't think he has, uh, keeps his odds on Mayfield and he just shoots his hands up for interceptions. So, um, he's definitely a, a smart player with that burst, with baiting guys, uh, with trying to rip the ball out that he could definitely force fumbles and, and, uh, interceptions. I know he has nine interceptions in his career. I think last year he only had one. Um, but you're not going to be consistent with, with interceptions every single game as a, as a, as a linebacker. It's not really something that they do a lot, but he definitely has the ability to force some turnovers. And you're probably going to see him uh, force a couple of turnovers, whether it be fumbles or um, interceptions. And you're talking about with blitzing. If, if I do have, there, there are very few weaknesses I have for him where I actually noted them down. There's probably only like seven, eight to 10, maybe. Um, but I would say blitzing is one of his weaknesses. Uh, where his pass rush moves are are not the best, where I would like to see him use more more chops or rips or swipes or double swipes or whatever it may be. Any pass rush move you really want to say, I don't think he's going to be like swim-moving offensive lineman or anything like that, where he actually probably could maybe because of his speed and his agility. But there's too many times where he's too willing to take on a full man, uh, where you want to take a half a man. That's what they always say, and it's true. He's too willing to just kind of throw his arms out into guys um, and kind of like conclude his rush where he does not really like it. It looks like he's almost like not trying to get there. He's kind of just trying to take up space. So you want to see more moves. You want to see more attacking half man. And he's not in terms of like taking on shots from offensive linemen, like body on body. He's not a guy who's super powerful. Um, so he's not always going to get there, but he's not in a defense where he's just going to be traditionally just blitzing. Okay. You versus the, the, you know, the guard or the center or whatever, where, you know, that's, that's really a really simple way of uh, explaining a blitz for really any defense. You have to give all defensive coordinators in the NFL uh, more credit than that. Maybe minus maybe like Casey Rogers. Um, but with Greg Williams defense and all with all the stunts 
that he runs, you're going to be seeing more of that athleticism where you're not going to see him, like I said, versus interior offensive line. You're going to see more of the athleticism that Mosley has with that burst. So he is going to be a more effective blitzer than, than the Jets, I believe, because of all those exchanges where, okay, you know, whatever, you want to, you want a long leg, uh, the, the, the center um, from one side and then long leg, the left guard from, from the other side, from the one tech. And then you're going to move both of those guys out of the way. And then you're going to send Mosley up the middle on a delayed blitz, um, whatever it may be. That's, that's a more effective blitz for Mosley, you know, versus him just taking on an offensive lineman. So uh, I think you're going to see some more sacks for Mosley this year. But I think if anything, the Jets blitzing linebacker will be Avery Williamson just because he does have more strength than, uh, you know, than Mosley because you can't expect every blitz to get there cleanly. It's just not going to happen. So I think Avery Williamson's going to be more of the blitzing linebacker where Mosley's going to be more of the coverage linebacker guys X to read more where, Mo, or where Avery Williamson is just told to go, uh, whether it be Avery Williamson or, or Darren Lee. Um, so I think there is one weakness in this game. It probably is his blitzing. I don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is. Um, but at the same time, it's definitely not a, a strength of his, in my opinion. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Joe, in your extensive film review that's up right now at TurnOnTheJets.com, you refer to Mosley as a perfect chess piece for Greg Williams' defense. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Uh, yeah, kind of what we've been saying uh, overall. There's really nothing, like, minus the, the blitzing, like I said, with Greg Williams' defense, he's going to be, I, I think, more effective just because um, just because there, there are more of, that, more of that movement where he'll be a little bit more clean, I believe. Um, but he could play any position. Uh, in a 4-3, he could play Will, he could play middle linebacker Mike, he could play Sam, he could play 3-4 Will, he could play 3-4 Mike um, because he has the ability you know, on the strong side to take on a fullback, to take on a pulling guard and get away from their block and then contain their run. But he also has the ability at the same time to play on the weak side and use that sideline to sideline speed where you're going to see some of Lee as well if he's not traded. Uh, but he, he has the speed to, to be on the back side. He has the strength to be on the front side. He has the ability to read blocks as the, as the mic. Um, he can cover tight ends one-on-one. Uh, he can cover running backs one-on-one on a, on a swing or a snake or a bench, wherever it may be. Um, he has the ability to... to to blitz it's not great but i think the athleticism um is going to like i said suit him more in this defense than it did with the ravens on those blitzes so there's nothing he can't do he's now is, is he going to be a, a nine tech rushing off the edge versus, an, uh, versus a tackle no but you know he's not an outside linebacker it's a different position in terms of middle linebacker stand-up linebacker three four four three four two three three whatever it may be five two um he could play any one of those positions because he has the smarts the 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 instincts the coverage ability the ability to match a man drop in zones and and hook the curls hook the seams hooks tampa too he could do all that stuff so um you're going to see him used in the in a variety of different ways in in this greg williams defense if i know anything about greg williams defense which i did do a breakdown uh and a show on well uh, with marcus so uh, he, he's not just going to be a David Harris. Okay. Play the run game and, and, you know, contain the a gap. He's going to be used all over the place because he can do so many different things. Joe, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to have to ask you to please try and hold in your laughter on this one, though it may be tempting to crack up a little bit. Can you explain for people who don't understand why you consider CJ Mosley to be a gigantic upgrade over Darren Lee? <laughs> Yeah, like I didn't think I was going to laugh or smile when you asked me that, but yeah, I, I actually couldn't really contain it. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it over the microphone, but <laughs> it's it, it's not even close. The only thing that Lee has on Mosley is is top end speed, and and maybe he's a little bit more twitchy than than um, Mosley, but that's 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 it. He he can't get off blocks like he can. He can't read defenses. He can't read. I mean, offenses. He can't read fronts. He can't read 
blocking schemes. He's not disciplined on the the backside of plays. He can't cover like he can in both man and zone. He doesn't have the hand technique. He doesn't drop his hips. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the the uh, the, the tackling form. It, it it that's that is that is that is not even a valid question. I can't even answer that like like well because he's just every single thing that Mosley does that I just explained. Lee cannot do that well. It's just it, it Lee is a guy you want to see. Okay, just go get the ball. Where Mosley is a, is a guy who, like I said, reads those fronts, reads the offense, knows concepts, um, knows how to play routes, gets his hands on in coverage, gets his hands on, um, you know, offensive line. And he's a guy who he'll take on offensive line on one on one. Where you see, you've seen Lee a um, couple times, maybe not as much this year, uh, but we've seen him literally get folded by guys or or back off from from offensive line. Where Mosley, like I said, he's not Avery Williamson, who Avery Williamson is going to drop his weight and, and uh, really attack the offensive lineman where it's, it's power versus power of where Avery Williamson will win, where Mosley will attack him, but in more of an athletic way to get away laterally, like I said. So there's not one area uh, minus maybe athleticism, like that twitchiness that I was talking about, that Lee is better than Mosley. Oh, you're looking at Lee. He was a guy who is very replaceable type player, a guy who I think his ceiling now is an average player, but through his career um, with the Jets has been a below average player, a guy who's been consistently talking about getting replaced. And we're talking about Mosley, um, who is a top three inside linebacker, you can argue too, um, and is the best inside linebacker, even probably the best linebacker I've ever seen in my entire life on the Jets. Uh, and, and Scott, you know better than I do. You're the, you're the big history buff, know all the Jets players. And I was actually you know, just talking about this on my show, um, that I'm going to put up a little bit later. Who is the best, the best linebacker, or who's a better linebacker than the Jets have had in history over C.J. Mosley? The only guy who came to mind, I didn't even watch him because I, I, I said I, th- I think he played in the late '90s or early 2000s, was maybe like Mo Lewis. But I, I didn't really watch him play. The last time the Jets have had a linebacker this this good, I think I was either you know still inside of my father. Or I was still pissed in the bed. Like, I don't know when the last time the Jets have had a, a linebacker that's good. Lee is a replaceable guy. So I, that's, 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 not even, that's not even a close, uh, that's not even a close comparison. It's not even comparable. I guess the answer to that would be either Greg Buttle, Mo Lewis, or Jerry Philbin. But again, with Mo Lewis, who you brought up, he's an outside linebacker. So it's a completely different position, even though they're yeah, both yeah. linebackers. But either way, clearly C.J. Mosley, a massive upgrade for this defense and a huge weapon for Greg Williams and, quite frankly, for Adam Gase, because even though Adam Gase isn't going to be hands-on here, we know that he needs people that are going to be on this team, both on offense and defense, who can make a difference. So that's why I wanted to ask you about this, Joe. There are people that will say this was not a necessary move because inside linebacker was not a huge need. It was a little bit of a need, but not a huge need. It wasn't something the Jets had to do. And why would you go out and spend $17 million a year, which is almost quarterback money for an inside linebacker? Your response to that? My response is you're dumb. Um, <laughs> listen, there was guys in the NFL who this offseason got paid, and I say this so many times, it's almost frustrating to say, the, the next best guy at every single position, like 10 through 15 best players at every position, is going to get the next highest contract. Kirk Cousins may sign his contract. Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan. Now, now Quan Alexander is getting like the next biggest contract. Zadarius Smith, the outside linebacker, is getting a huge contract. $16.5 million per year. Preston Smith, $13 million a year. Uh, Trent Brown, a tackle. I think he's a, a below-average tackle. I think he's going to be exposed to that with the Raiders this year. $16.5 million. Tyrell Williams, $11 million. Devin Funchel, like I said, I think I, I might have already said $13 million. 
you're looking at the difference of their contracts who are below average players to maybe average players, maybe some of them are solid if you wanted to, um, versus, guy, versus a guy who's a pro ball, all pro type of player. And the difference in, the, in their contract is the contracts that you saw doled out to guys like Brandon Copeland or, or Josh Bellamy. Like that's really yeah, that three four million dollars is really what you're arguing when the the Ravens wanted to sign him to reportedly for uh, fourteen million dollars per year. The Jets had to go three million dollars above, um, which like I said is a is a, a a Brandon Copeland level player contract above what the Ravens wanted to sign him for, um, because he is a pro ball all pro type of player with the Jets need players like that last year they had one of them on their defense who actually made it in Jamal Adams now you add another all pro type of player to your to your linebacking core hopefully you add another one uh with defensive front whether it be Josh Allen Nick Bosa or hopefully for my sake Quinton Williams um if Tremaine Johnson bounces back you need to add players the Jets are always like a laughing stock like oh I'm going to use the Jets as a negotiating ploy but now you see them uh, you know adding all pro type players with Mosley with Bell um and they're becoming more of a formal team and you can say oh yeah well you didn't need inside linebacker were you going to need inside linebacker last year uh, next year when you didn't sign uh Darren Lee to to a second contract because he's a below average player so address the year uh, the, the need a year early one and two they're not even on the same level so it's a massive upgrade you're, at, you're adding an all pro level player to your defense and say oh we didn't need inside linebacker adding an all pro player to our defense is stupid I, I, I don't even understand that thinking and if people say oh well, it's not an impact position it's not outside linebacker or cornerback show me one cornerback or inside linebacker or, or uh, uh, outside linebacker who's better than Mosley in this free agency class there was none and even if there were if there was one the Jets are not going to necessarily land him and they had the money to, to land both of them if they if they wanted to um so and I think like okay listen I, I understand and I I said I've said before um, I think outside linebacker cornerback are the most important positions on a defense but the Jets have holes that which is not a great thing um but it's not and I get I get positional value but it's not like inside linebacker is not an important position. Like, is that, isn't that kind of crazy to say, oh, well, inside linebacker is not uh, an important position. He's not going to make that big of an impact. Did, did Ray Lewis or Brian Urlacher have a big impact on their, on their, on their team? Oh, tight ends, not that big of an impact. Okay. Did Jimmy Graham and his prime or Rob Gronkowski make a big impact? Oh, uh, you know, well, safety's not a big impact. Okay. Well, did Earl Thomas or Jamal Adams, you know, do they make big impacts on our team? So like when you're weighing positional value, you have to understand an all pro player, any position is an all pro player. Yeah. Now maybe you might rather have an, a, a all pro guy like Revis over a guy like Brian Urlacher at the, at the top of their prime. Yeah. Maybe that's true, but it's still an all pro player. They're going to make a big impact. He's, he's the brain of the defense. That's what inside linebacker is. It is an important position on the team. So you can't just brush it off like, ah, oh, you know what? He's not going to make that big of an impact. I think that's absolutely crazy to say, especially when you're talking about an all pro level player. He's, he's, he's a top defensive player and I'm not being biased here, Scott. I don't, I think you probably agree with me. Who was the better player on defense and free agency this year? You can argue Earl Thomas, but he was he's getting a little bit older. He's had some injury problems. You can argue Barr, but I do not agree with that at all because I watched Barr's film. I texted you when I thought he was selling the Jets. I was not impressed with this film at all. Um, so you've got the best player on offense and free agency, in my opinion, and the best player on defense to say, oh, we didn't need that because we have Darren Lee. Because we had Darren Lee, you're saying you didn't want C.J. frickin' Moses. Like, how crazy that sound to even repeat it. I, I want to wash my mouth, you know, so I don't, I don't get it. I doubt anybody would seriously argue that Anthony Barr is a better player than C.J. Mosley. It would just be a matter of need. And that's really what this comes back to, Joe, is the fact that 
people really wanted an edge rusher, people really wanted a corner, and they didn't see inside linebacker as a need. Now, the question becomes, and this is the same question that you have to answer in the draft, is positional value, is positional need more important than getting the best player available? In this case, I argue with you, which is, C.J. Mosley was far and away the best defensive free agent. In fact, you could make the case that he was the second best unrestricted free agent in this class after Le'Veon Bell, who the Jets also spent on. C.J. Mosley is 26 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's had no major injuries, and he hasn't had any off-the-field issues. We haven't heard anything about being a problem in the locker room. This is more or less a unicorn. He should not have been available. Nobody expected him to be available. So I think the Jets saw this and said, well, even though we don't necessarily have to have an inside linebacker, let's go get this guy. And if we have to spend a few extra bucks... Listen, if you want top-end steak, you go to the store, you buy filet mignon, it's going to cost a couple more bucks than it's going to cost to get some flank steak. But if you want quality, you got to pay. And when a guy like Mosley's available, which very, very rarely happens, why I said he was a unicorn, you go out and you make it happen. And I think that's why the Jets did it. And it makes a lot of sense to me. I think with Barr, it was more a matter of them projecting him filling a need. Whether or not he could have done that or not, we'll never know now. But the point is, they looked at Mosley. They looked at what was available. They looked at their cap space and they said, we feel that inside linebacker is a need. It's not our biggest need, but we want to spend on it. And if we're going to spend, we'd rather spend $17 million to get the best than 12 or $13 million on a guy who's nowhere near as good. And when you look at some of the edge rushers, guys that are very mediocre players like Sidarius Smith getting $12 million, it makes a lot more sense. I'd much rather overpay oh. for somebody like C.J. Mosley than give that money to Sidarius Smith and, like you said, Brandon Copeland. All due respect to him, he's a fine player. There's nothing yeah. wrong with him. But the bottom line is you got to spend on quality when you have the opportunity. And a 26-year-old linebacker, no health problems, nothing like that. you got to go and make that move if you have the cap space. You're, you're looking at, and yeah, maybe it's not a, a massive need, but anytime you're going from, from below average shag type player and Darren Lee to a guy who's going to be um, an all-pro level, at least minimum pro bowl level player on your defense, you, you have to do it if, you, if you're able to do it. It's not like the Jets had one guy they can sign. Now, if the Jets were going to the playoffs and they can only sign one guy and they had an average outside linebacker and they there's another, you know, sorry, inside linebacker and they need an outside linebacker really bad because that's the last hole on the team, then yeah, sure, do it. But or don't do it, but the Jets had no, they had one Pro Bowler on the team. You need at least four, five, six to even really, like, realistically compete. Obviously, you know, depth on the roster and, and role players matter as well, but you need top end flight guys to one, uh, have a good team, feel a good team, uh, to bring guys in. And something that you also don't want to overlook with Mosley is consistently throughout his career, he's been talking about a fantastic leader and a fantastic locker room guy. That's something that you can't overlook, you know, really, really at all. And you're talking about Zedarius Smith got half a million dollars less than Mosley. Now, would you rather have Zadarius Smith outside linebacker for a half a million dollars less who I, I, I can bank that a, a lot of casual fans went and asked them or even Jets fans before they, they were really looking at free agency. If you went up to him and I said, who's Zadarius Smith? Like, I have no idea. Um, or a guy like a Preston Smith outside linebacker or even like a, a Quan Alexander is more of a stand-up linebacker. who got $13.5 million per year. So you're saying you'd rather have a guy like Quan Alexander 
and, and I know this is not necessarily like exactly like what the people are saying, but Quan Alexander at 13.5 and a Josh Bellamy um, over a guy like CJ Mosley, uh, CJ Mosley. I think that's like crazy. It's, you, you overspent two, $3 million more than the Ravens were willing to spend um, because he was going to get that next biggest contract. Um, when Keekly signed in a couple of years or whoever, Bobby Wagner, they're going to get the next biggest contract. It's always going to happen like that. The next one will be 18, $19 million a year. Um, so in a couple of years, it won't look like that huge of a contract. Um, and even if it is a huge contract, which, you know, at this time it is, you're still getting an all pro that you haven't had, that you don't have on your defense. You, that, that's, that's something you always want to do. So, and with Barr, yeah, to need, but I'm thinking CJ Mosley over Barr literally any single day of the week. Uh, so I, I, I love the signing. Great locker room guy. You add another all pro to the, to the team. Uh, you know, you, you signed the best two free agents in, in free agency, in my opinion. So it's a big step uh, for the Jets. And then you got Le'Veon Bell for what fans, uh, you know, thought it would be like a, a $14, $15 million year contract for about 11, 12. Um, so that couple extra million dollars went to Mosley and you land Mosley at a good, at a good price and you land Bell. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to be fine with landing all pro players because he wanted to sign uh, back with the Ravens, but because you don't want to dole out another two, $3 million, you're going to let him sign there, uh, miss out on him, not have that all pro and play, play Lee, and then probably not sign him the next year. And then we have another hole at inside linebacker looking for a guy who you're hoping could be, you know, uh, an, an average guy. Like that's just, it's, it's crazy. Joe, just to clarify, by the way, I mentioned $12 million for Zadari Smith. I was looking at his cap figure for 2020, but if you look at the overall value of the contract, you are right. He actually is making mm-hmm. just slightly less per year than C.J. Mosley, which is absolutely absurd and just shows you how willing people were to overpay players that are average at certain positions that they really value as opposed to a guy who is one of the very best in the league at his position. Also, the distinction I've always made, I'm curious if you agree, between Mosley and Lee is that Lee is an athlete playing linebacker, whereas Mosley is a linebacker who's also an athlete. Lee is, like you said, an athlete playing linebacker. Mosley is an all pro who has everything necessary to play a linebacker with smarts, with coverage ability. Like, like I said, all the traits we've been over in this podcast. Um, he is one of the best players on defense in the entire league. Um, they did, the Jets didn't have that. They decided to add it. Um, I'm never going to be upset about it. I think people like, it's crazy to see people like lukewarm on this type of guy coming to the defense. You're looking at, like I said, the third best inside linebacker, uh, probably a, at least a top 20 to 30 player on defense in the entire league. Something Jets did not have before. Um, smile, Jets fans, because he's a, he's a really, really good player, and pe- and people are going to see how good he is um, this coming season. They're going to make, oh, what what do people mean he can't cover? She got that interception, or oh, what? like just just wait to see his impact because 17 million dollars a year. Um, compared to what Zedaria Smith got, what Preston Smith got, what Quan Alexander got, it's really not that bad of a contract. So it's always going to happen like that at any position. The next tight end is going to get the next biggest contract. Who's in the top 10 of tight ends? Uh, you know, any position, Scott, you know that guards, tackles, centers, safeties. Look at Landon Collins, you know, corners with Tremaine Johnson. It's just, it's always going to happen. Always the next biggest contract. So uh, is it overspend by maybe $2 million a year? But if you're really going to get your pennies in a bunch over two, $3 million a year, uh, I, I do not know what to tell you, especially when you're talking about an all pro level player. Joe, do I even need to ask you what grade you give this signing? I'll give it an A. Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> really, there's really an, an A, maybe, maybe an A because not, should I even give it an A though? Because yeah, they had, they overspent by two million dollars, and that's why it's not an, an A from an A plus. You're adding an All Pro. Um, I, I love the deal. I love watching players like this who are who are great leaders, who are smart players, who are willing to take on, you know, guards and tackles and centers and willing 
um, to lead in the locker room and play in the run game. And he's, he's, he's a fantastic player that the Jets did not have. It's, it's an A, maybe from an A plus to an A just, be, just because of the two, three million dollars. But it's also what the Jets needed to do to land him. So is it really that big of a deal? Um, no, it's not. So fantastic signing. Uh, I couldn't be happier with the Jets adding this guy. That, that is for damn sure. Just to clarify, by the way, because I know that people are going to nitpick on this. C.J. Mosley has not been selected as an All-Pro yet. You can make the argument that he should have been, but he is a four-time Pro Bowler. So there's the distinction, but still, the Jets getting themselves one of the best inside linebackers in the league, and Joe Blewett has the film proof to show you exactly why that is the case. And you can go ahead and head over to our YouTube channel over at Turn on the Jets TV to view his show where he breaks down 52 plays. I'm really excited for that, Joe. For people that don't know where they can find you, get a hold of you, ask you questions, questions watch your material why don't you go ahead and let them know yeah um on twitter if you want to digest it you know at your own pace uh you can do it with the video obviously too it's called the pause but you can always come back to it but uh twitter's at joe rb31 i post in the moment so you can just swipe through every single tweet um in the article i give a whole write-up of the of the stunning where i think about it all that type of stuff all the stuff we, ta- we kind of talked about um and then i go over all the plays i give a whole list of his strengths and weaknesses so joe rb31 uh on YouTube, you can just type in "Turn on the Jets" and, and find me there. Where it's going to be a show of, you know, 52 plays showing exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not just making up stuff. I'm not sh- I'm not backing it up. Uh, I'm going to show all those um, traits in those 52 plays uh, that I show. And obviously, you could you could catch me on here, you know, uh, a lot. And I'm going to be on here a lot. I'm assuming the next month with, uh, you know, CJ Mosley and Crowder and Poole and uh, all the draft guys. So you'll be hearing plenty of plenty of me. So. Um, but that's 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 where to find me. And I, I you know, if if you are one of these guys who are questioning, oh, is he really that good in coverage? You can you know follow along. If you disagree with me, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, you can you can tweet me if you disagree with me. Um, I know Scott has backed up quite a few times where uh, he doesn't necessarily condone that. But if you want to have a, con- a discussion, we can have a discussion. That's that's fine. So <laughs> go ahead and follow Joe. Watch his show on YouTube. Trust me, you will be a more educated football fan. I know that I am every time I watch what he's doing. And check out the stuff that he's posting on Twitter In the meantime, watch his show as soon as he releases it 52 plays of C.J. Mosley So you can really get a glimpse of what we were talking about on this show And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast You know where to go That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com